This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. For all NBA NBA warriors, you are now tuned into Golden Spaces with Matt and Justin. All right, we're back. It's Golden Spaces. The vibes are just hella immaculate right now. Hella immaculate. Just instead of eight, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It might, might, might be a nine. Like, like Warriors vibes might just be an eight, but I think like Golden Spaces vibes is like a nine. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll take that. I like that. You like that? All right. Cool. All right. Cool. So, um, oh, you know what? I'm going to do this as I remind y'all, vote for All-Stars. Vote for All-Stars, triple vote day. And the only reason I hadn't voted yet is because this is why I hate that they took away Twitter as an option. Because before when you could vote with Twitter, it didn't matter what time of day, you could just retweet. But once you go into the app and you vote, it's literally like a 24-hour period. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I think last night I didn't vote until like 10 something. Sometimes when it gets too late, I won't vote because like, I'm like, then it's going to fuck me over and I can't vote the next day. And I was hesitant because I'm like, this is a triple vote day. I don't want to miss it. So I was like, the 10 o'clock is still early enough. So I should be able to go in and vote now. So I am going to um, vote as I um, ask Justin a question because in tonight's game, (laughs) (laughs) they like Warriors fans are using this game as an indictment of Hurdle and everyone who has suggested that he come to the Warriors. And so, Justin, I am just curious. Like, and I don't even know that you think Pirtle is like the number one guy they should go after because we've talked about some other people. But are you all out on Pirtle now? <laughs> He's definitely not number one. That's that's what I think people are like not acknowledging right here like i think the number one type of player they should be looking to get is a like big wing forward that can play center um that can stretch the floor and allows you to play lineups where you can play um somebody that can play with draymond somebody that can play with looney somebody that can maybe stand alone as a five in a in a lineup somebody that can allow you to play looney with them and kaminga you know multiple non-spacers and stuff like that so Essentially, what the the role that Otto played last year. Um, so guys potentially that can fill that role is like a Kuzma or something like that. You know, like just in that ballpark. So Pirtle isn't that type of player, but what Pirtle does, um, the team can still use, right? 
a defensive anchor that allows Draymond and Looney to get rest throughout a game, throughout the season. Um, rebounds, can pass well, extremely well. Finishes around the basket. I believe he's fourth in the league in field goal percentage. Um, so, no, I am not out on Proto at all. What do you say to the people who think he's too duplicative of Kevon Looney? Um, that's like... <laughs> I don't want to use this analogy. That's like saying, if you can have two good players, then why wouldn't you have two good players? Is what that's that's my thing, right? For one, if you can have 20, 20 minutes of Looney and then twenty minutes of another player who's also elite defensively, but allows both of them to remain fresh the entire game, then why wouldn't you want that? Um, Looney was a positive player in the playoffs last year, so if you can have even more Looney. How is that a bad thing? For one. For two, I don't think think he's... The argument is, for one, you may not get to keep him after this season. So it's only for like half a season. I got another one for that, too. And you're you're giving up, (laughs) you know, the guys that you drafted. But go ahead. So with that one, you look at it like this, right? If you throw in a draft pick to get him, then I can understand being apprehensive to acquire him knowing that he potentially could just be a rental, right? When you look at the contract situation on the team now, you consider that James Wiseman's contract goes up to $12 million next year, and then Draymond's contract goes up as well. It's going to be at $26 million if he accepts his player option. Um, if he declines it and they re-sign him at a bigger price or somewhere near that, the tax bill is still going to be near the number that they said they don't want to go over or whatever the case may be. So in a way either James Wiseman or Draymond Green won't be here next season, right? Or they'll keep both and pay that tax bill and pretty much fool fool everyone into thinking, no, they already fooled us in thinking that they weren't going to pay it, but if they end up paying it, then, okay, that's a different thing that we didn't expect. Um, so somebody's not going to be here next year. Whether it's Wiseman, Draymond, or Pirtle, <laughs> One of them not going to be here next year. Um, so the whole rental thing, it just it falls on deaf ears for me because the money situation already makes it tough for us to retain all the players that we have on the team this year. So unless you say, hey, I don't want to throw in a pick, a future first round pick or a future whatever to San Antonio to get a guy that's not going to be here, then cool. I understand that. But I don't understand the whole contract situation thing um yeah what's it what's another point that, that that people bring up no i mean i think you've gotten all the points um well people people have somehow convinced themselves that Pirtle's not good that's another thing or at least they're just <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to lie and say that he's not good to make themselves feel better about like taking the stance against acquiring him um he's top 15 this season and shots contested within six feet of the rim and he and team and people shoot 5% worse than they usually shoot when they're shooting against him at the rim. So he's objectively a very good rim protector. Um, He rebounds the ball. Well, he talks on defense. He's actually very athletic, despite the narrative that people are trying to push on Twitter, that he's a stiff. Um, He moves his feet extremely well. He's very mobile up and down the court. Um, all it takes is just, you know, a little Google search and just watch some film on him and you'll, you'll figure that out. Um, just because he's tall and white does not mean he is slow. 
And um, yeah, that. So I think though you were making a really important point um before we actually started recording, and I think it's like if he didn't look effective tonight, the Warriors are one of the few teams that have the ability to do that. So if we get him, that wouldn't be a big deal because he'd be with us and not playing against us. So other teams we'd yeah. be playing wouldn't be able to take him away. For sure. Um, that's one thing. The second thing is if he's playing on the Warriors, he'll be surrounded by way more better defenders on the perimeter that can better funnel guys into him and provide pressure behind the ball handler to make their shots even tougher rather than playing on the Spurs where all their guards suck on defense. Like all their wings suck on defense. So it's you literally mean, like, sort of like a Utah jazz situation before like Donovan yeah. Mitchell left with like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy, like that kind of a thing. Similar. Yeah. Where like those guys on the jazz were a little bit better than these guys. And Rudy's a little bit better than a lot bit better as a rim protector than Perto is. But yeah, similar concept. If you put him on a team where there's better perimeter defenders, he's going to look even better as a rim protector. That's why a guy like Robert Williams last year looked you know, amazing, and he is amazing, but everybody on the perimeter on Boston's team last year could guard. So when they're when you're getting past one of those dudes and they're still applying pressure to you and you run into a guy like Rob Williams at the at the rim, it's hard to score against that against that team. So in my opinion, if you put Purdue on this team and you got Kaminga on the bench with him and you got Dante on the bench with him, funneling guys into him, it's gonna be extremely hard to score against him, right? Whereas now we're relying so much on Dre to anchor the first unit and the second unit's defense. And it's just a tough ask for him to do this for a full season and the playoffs. We um, saw a bench unit tonight that did not include Draymond or Lou, Lou, I mean Wiggins, and they performed well. Now it was versus the Spurs, but they performed well. Yeah, I mean, I would have to see it for for an extended period of time. Um, but yeah. I mean, it just helps to also just have a big body. And I put a I put a poll out on Twitter, I want to say last week, and I said, how would you rather build your defense, right? Would you rather have a team full of guys who can rotate and guard point of attack and switch and do all those things to prevent players from even getting to the rim? Or would you rather have an elite rim protector at the rim and you just have guys funneling them into that player? And it started out, a bunch of people were picking the first option to say, I want the team that can rotate and, and talk and switch and guard point of attack. And then a bunch of other people started responding afterwards and say, no, I would much rather have B one. Cause historically that has led to more high level defenses. And two, it's just such an easier defense to employ um, over the course of a full season. And I, I mean, I think I agree. I would ideally you want to have both, right? If you acquire Pirtle, you have both. It's another point that I'm trying to make. You have the, the the A team where if you want to go small with Draymond at the five and you want to just prevent shots at the rim by just switching everything, you can do that. But if you want to say, all right, let's give Draymond and Looney a rest, put Perto out there. Okay, just funnel them into Perto, right? We don't got to switch everything. We can run drop and teams just won't be able to get a layup, right? So just being able to have options. And that's what they did in 2015 and 16. They had Bogut there. They could just funnel people into Bogut and he just stopped everything. Or they can go death line up and you just can't get to the rim at all. So that's just my my main thing with Perto, why he would really help this team. This is why I keep Justin around, y'all, because he's a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant basketball mind. You just taught me so much, Justin, really. 
I'm not trying to like be funny. Like he is. I always would call him the Tim Legler of Twitter. Um, he's just so smart. Um, that makes a lot of sense. I really don't have anything to say back to that because it makes perfect sense to me. I wasn't out on Pertle anyway. Um, I, in general, just think we need a, a, a ninth guy and it should be someone in the front court. And that's just like my belief. Um, and I just don't think that person currently exists on the team. I understand that it was supposed to be Jamichael. I understand that the hope was that maybe Wiseman could get there. Um, I don't think that they're going to give PBJ a real try, but the likelihood is as a rookie, he wouldn't get there either. So mm-hmm. we just don't have it on the team. Um, and yes, an eight man rotation in theory is enough for the playoffs, but Kerr usually likes it to be, I think, a minimum of nine. I mean, unless you're counting Andre as like a ninth guy, you know, but even still, that still leaves your front court like lean, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, I just think we need another guy. And so interesting decision tonight that Ty Jerome, not Ty Bowman. Ty Jerome. Um, I almost actually um, tweeted the other night, like, Ty. Ty Jerome did not play tonight because they're trying to be mindful of his contract for, like, mm-hmm. the two-way but n- but they don't seem to be wanting to be mindful. Now maybe they felt like they had enough guards so they like it's a little different. But I I was also wondering does that mean that they don't care about using up Lamb's spot because they plan to sign him or yeah, I wasn't sure, but it was interesting to me. I think the two-way guys are like break glass in case of emergency type of deals where it's like okay, all of our guards are back. We don't need Ty to play. We'd much rather wait until guys may get injured again or, you know, a new guy gets injured and someone needs to step up or someone's sitting a back-to-back and then we can play him. Whereas with Lamb, we have three front court players out and PBJ just got sent back to the G League. So it's like we need another front court player, right? We only have... What did you think about that? I would have liked if PBJ came and, and, and played some minutes. Yeah. People think- are like, you don't want to stunt his development. I'm like... How is playing against actual NBA players stunning his development? Like, even if it's spot minutes, how is that not better? I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. But multiple people said that to me. And I'm like, am I stupid? You're not. I mean, playing with (laughs) with the guys you're going to be playing with in the future when you actually get called up and won't be asked to play in the G League anymore – would be better for your development, right? Playing with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond and Jordan Poole and all these guys who you are going to be playing with for the next few years. Versus actual NBA players. Against, yeah, against an actual NBA team <laughs> getting coached by Steve Kerr. How is that stunning your development as opposed to going to the G League and playing with guys you're probably never going to play with again after this year against players that you're never going to play against? Again who you likely can dominate. Right. I, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, so, I mean, the only part of it that made sense to me was, like, okay, fine, if they felt Kaminga was coming back soon or, like, Andrew Michael, but, I mean, Kaminga practiced, so, and I don't think Jermichael has yet or Wiseman, so that would lead me to believe that Kaminga's probably going to get back sooner, but... 
why like why not then just have him there until those guys come back right so mm-hmm. i was a little disappointed to see that they were sending him back um to the g league but you know you know people are telling me oh yeah no he needs development because he's not ready to like do certain things and i'm like is he any less ready than some of the other people we're putting out like i just i don't understand when people say these things like bro like are you watching the people who are like going out on the court now like I'm just, I don't get it. Develop the fucking guys we drafted, yo. Develop the mm. fucking guys we drafted. Because your plan is actually that these are going to be the guys. You don't want to go out and get vets. Like, you eventually want this to be the guys who are the supporting cast. So how do they fucking become the supporting cast if you don't play them and develop them when you have the opportunity to do it? And when they've shown that they can actually be positive to neutral level contributors to a game. Yeah, PBJ played well. Right. Right. Again, I don't want to bash the guy, but this is not like a Wiseman situation where he was tanking a lot of the games, right? So they had to send him back to the G League. He came back and he played better, right? This is not that case. You know, PBJ played well in spurts in different games and he actually played really well in some games. And Moody is the same way. When you're saying you're concerned about Draymond and Loon, right? right. So and and the other guys are not there. So why not bring him? I don't I don't know. Yeah, so whatever. I mean <laughs> that conversation was happening. Um you know, I don't ever fully understand the things the Warriors do. And, of course, there's always that contingent of people like, why are you questioning them? They won, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, I question everything. That's first of all. Um, and just because they won doesn't mean that everything in the process was perfect, right? And so, um, and I like, I'm still one of those people who still don't think the Warriors have the best track record of developing, you know? So... Mm-hmm. I mean, someone tried to argue with me talking about Steve Kerr developed Steph Clay and Dre. I'm like, no, the fuck he didn't. Those guys developed under Mark Jackson. What are we? What are he we developed them so fast to? that they won a championship in his first season there. He developed yeah, them from the very first game. History. I don't care how crazy <laughs> people think Mark Jackson is. We're not going to disrespect what he did. And we're not going to take what he did and give that credit. I'm sorry to a white man like it's not happening like the black (laughs) coach mark jackson developed them he did right like it's fine to say kerr came in and and took things to another level but they developed under mark jackson they did i mean they just absolutely did and i mean not even under just mark jackson like stephen clay went and played team usa yeah they developed under that it's just you know draymond really came into the league kind of ready to play Right, basketball. He's four year college player at, under Tom Izzo, and he came into the league and all that type of stuff. But yeah, Mark Jackson definitely played a huge role in in him being able to play, like find a find a role. And then obviously Steve Kerr put him in like the best possible position for him. But those guys were already ready once Steve ready Kerr got there. When he he came. Just, Steve exactly. Kerr just put the pieces in place to where it all worked together and it maximized all their skill sets. But they were they were already made. Like you can't come into a team first year and develop them into a championship team first year. And then <laughs> so that the training argument, camp, oh, the then, greatest training the camp of argument, all time. Then the argument switched to, um, and he turned players into assets. Like 
Damian Lee and Patrick McCall. And I just like, okay, I can't even talk to you right now. Where, where are most of these players now? What are they even doing? What asses did he turn them into? And even all of those players did not develop under him. They, they brought up GP2. I said GP2 was going around the league. He developed in the G League. Damian Lee was in the G League. Like, all of these players, most of them were developing in the G League. They brought up Loon. I said, yeah, Loon developed under Kerr, but it wasn't Kerr. Loon, just, do people remember that Loon was just away, like, for extended period times of the G League? He wasn't even, like, with the team. Right. So it's like, you know... Again, because I know people think that I just like don't like also, to bash him, but he does not have a track record of actually developing players. They quite literally revamped their entire development staff exactly like, two years ago last year because of, because of this. <laughs> and there was a whole like, well, his job is to get the team to win, sure, but he's the coach, and it's also the coach's job to develop players, right? And, you know, some people are like, he didn't come on for that job. I said, well, I, like, I don't see how a coach cannot come on, like, at all with the idea of never developing a player. Like, that's just a part of their responsibility. But even if you want to say that, they develop players that they draft the players that need to be developed. So at some point it became his job. So, you know, it is what it is, right? Like we cannot agree with the two timeline things, but the fact is that it is happening and that's what you've committed to. And so why are you not fucking developing the players that we've drafted? I don't Mm -hmm. understand. I just, I think they would benefit more from being here than being away at the G league, you know? And so when they can get minutes to play. And so I, I do disagree with that unless they are not helping the team, like you said. And I think there's only one player who falls under that. Um, though I will give him some credit and say he did, you know, look a little better in the last couple of games he played. I think people are trying to take that little overboard though. I don't think he looked that good that I'm convinced that, was, that he's going to be able to help us for the playoffs. Yeah. You knew that was going to happen though. Yeah. Um, by the way, people were having, um, a meltdown the other night because the Warriors fell out of sixth place. Oh no, God forbid when the standings are one game apart. So the Warriors (laughs) right now are currently in seventh because the Phoenix Suns lost and, um, they have a chance potentially to move up to six tonight. I don't know. How's that? How's that game going? It's right now 61 Clippers are up. Mm-hmm. So Jokic isn't playing tonight, and the game is in L.A. So I don't know if I trust Denver enough to pull that out. But um, if they do, the Warriors go to six. And if they don't, they're in seventh. Um, so, yeah, anyway, like people were just like very hung up on like they lost a really big chance. Like, you know, they were at six and they could I'm like, I don't think that opportunity has gone from them, guys. Um, so I, I didn't understand all the talk, but they're already back at seventh with a chance to move to six tonight. So we'll see what happens there. But that that's that's where the standings are. Um, and then Draymond was talking. He was talking a lot. So I thought I'm, I'm only bringing that up because you mentioned that, like, somebody may not be here next year. And Draymond boldly told Taylor Brooks in an interview that, like, the writing looks like it's on the wall in terms of him maybe not being a warrior. Um, there were a lot of, there were some clips 
put on social of his interview with Taylor Rooks. I did not see anything beyond those clips and I don't have any desire to listen to the interview. But I've heard that some parts of the interview were worse than what was even put on Twitter. Like that he was kind of like, not like kind of like, this is what led to the argument and kind of like what was said and like still that how he apologizes, but then doesn't want to really take like full ownership. Right. So mm-hmm. look, Bleacher Report and Taylor, I'm sure decided what they wanted to promote and put on the, 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 you know, for the public to see anybody can go and watch and listen to the full thing. Again, I don't have a desire to, um, I think it's ironic that Draymond called Katie a bitch. And the reason that blow up happened was apparently because of like, they were just tired of like Katie letting all the stuff linger, right. About his decision. And like, now you're out here talking to the media and kind of creating the same kind of fucking nonsense. Like, like why, like, you don't have to do interviews and talk about Jordan, by the way, it's not like you can just, declined to talk about that um and you also don't have to talk about like what's going to happen with you you can just continue to say like i'm focused on this season and we'll see what happens like ideally i would love to be a warrior for life like you said that but you also said oh the writing's on the wall like i just don't see why because and by the way people the writing's on the wall still doesn't mean that dre won't be here next year he has an opt-in and like to me i think that he he he's gonna opt in um, because I just, I don't see a team that's going to pay Dre that he'll want to go to. Right. So like, there might be a team that wants to pay him, but like Dre is not trying to go to a bottom feeder <laughs> that has like no chance of making the playoffs and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, I just think you at a minimum will probably still have one more year of Dre. So like, I don't even think it's as immediate as he made it sound. So it's like, even if he, does somehow end up not being a warrior. I still think there's probably like another year of on, like of Dre. I could be wrong, but that's what I think. So that, mm-hmm. that's kind of my thoughts on that. But I wish he would just not talk about stuff like that in interviews. And again, he's free to talk about whatever he wants, but it's just sort of ironic that that was sort of the issue with KD. And like, now you're doing the same thing. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, yeah. I think all signs are pointed to him still being here. I mean, for the for the near future, I just think the money involved, like teams, are just not going to want to take on that contract. I think he ultimately, like, he really wants to stay in Golden State just because of you know, outside of all the legacy stuff and his relationship with the guys. I think it's just best for his brand to stay with the with the Warriors. Clutch probably wants him to stay with the Warriors for that reason as well. Um, so I think for real, for real, like overall, it's just him trying to send a message to the front office, kind of like the Jimmy Butler thing where it's like, bro, y'all really need me. 
I understand how the business aspect can make it seem like y'all, you know, y'all have an opportunity to to let me walk based on the business, right? You got these young guys like that y'all are trying to pay, you know, trying to keep, but ultimately I, I should be here. Um, and I think he's just trying to send that message, but I just can't see him being like, yeah, I'm going to just leave. I'm going to just leave Golden State. I'm going to just leave Stephen Clay. And I'm gonna just leave all that money on the table for next yeah, year. Yeah, I'm gonna just leave all that money, and I'm gonna leave the ch- the chance to continue to plan with the guys I've been playing with for a decade, and we have the best team, and all like all these things. It just doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, I mean, like, look, the Warriors, like, we already know how they get down. They did it with Looney. They did it with, and I get it that those none of those guys are Draymond. But they're ultimately going to let the market dictate your salary, you know, unless like especially if you're coming and we already know how clutch negotiates. If you're coming with a number that they don't want to pay. They're going to let the market set your salary, you know, and then they'll decide like if they want to meet it. And so it's like. That's what it's going to come down to. They're not just going to come out and offer you like some big max or whatever, whatever. I don't know what he's thinking, but. They're going to let the market dictate his salary. As they probably should. So, and we'll see, because I'm just not convinced of what the market will pay him. And I don't know if he wants to be in a rude awakening for that either. <laughs> I think he's smart. He knows. Do you know, I think he knows. But he also, like Andre did this the same way. Where it's like, I'll leave. You don't, you know, it's like, keep playing. I'll leave. It's like, bro, you're not going nowhere at the end of the day. Like, you know, you're not going to get more money elsewhere. He, he has to know. I think he's too smart to not. I mean, I think, and I think clutch, you know, for all the things that go along with them, they know as well. So I'd be surprised if he's no longer, I'd be surprised. That's all I'm going to say. One other thing I want to point out just very quickly, because people have been like, oh, like what team have you seen to this point have this kind of record and still go on to win the championship? As though Boston getting there last year, even though they didn't win, getting to the finals is not recent enough to know that like just because your record is kind of like this at the midway point, that it's an impossibility of you, you know, excelling. Um, We've talked about this already on this podcast in that, like, yeah, traditionally, if you're a 500 team, you're probably not going anywhere at this point. But we have to always look at the circumstances of why that team was like a 500 team. Like, if this team was intact all season and they had a 500 record to now, I think we would be looking at them differently. You've lost your best two players for a chunk of the season. You know, um, we know in the beginning, although I don't know why people like can't wrap this around this head. They were trying to develop their young talent. It didn't work out. They were leaning very hard into that, and that was hurting them. So they stopped leaning into that. Things start to turn around. Their guys got hurt. So I feel like this is like now the third version of the Warriors that we're seeing for the season, right? Like to me, this is like the third iteration. And then the fourth and final iteration will be like when we truly have everyone back healthy, meaning like Kaminga's in there. Cause I think Kaminga's a really important piece, right? Um, so like the first iteration is like what they were trying to do at the beginning of the year. Then it was like after that road trip, they sent Wiseman down. And then there was like that second iteration of like the dubs, right? 
actually, I would say this is the fourth iteration. Then you had the third iteration, which was without wigs and without Steph and, and that version of the team that played. And now we're on to like the fourth one. And so like, I, I just wish people would stop harping so much on, on these things. But I also want to remind people that we did actually get to the 20 wins before we got to the 20 losses. Cause if you want to look at markers, that did happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and we as a Warriors fan base knows better than anyone that just because something hasn't happened yet does not mean doesn't it doesn't mean will it not can't. happen. <laughs> exactly. Just like there were no teams to ever blow a 3-1 lead in the finals. You didn't have to say it, Justin. We could have just, just left saying, it at the innuendo because we all knew what you were talking wasn't about. There, wasn't there something last year that, like, it was like no team has won the championship doing something last year that the Warriors did, and then they ended up winning the championship. I forgot what it was. It was like and they there's beat also the odds like how, like, in the last however many years, it's always been the top 10 offense and defense, but the Warriors did win the finals going in that year being a, a number 11 defense. You know, so yeah. things <laughs> – you know, it don't happen until it happens. So you could say, you know, oh, historically this has to happen, or this has happened in the past, and only the champions have done this. Okay, we'll see when the champion, whoever the champion is this year, however many categories they fill in, they fill in. But it hasn't happened yet, so we're gonna see. And what we do know, what we do know, is that no team wants to see the healthy warriors. So no, like we're not even like. Memphis could lie and say, oh, yeah, they don't care. They care. They care. Oh, yeah, they definitely care. So, Nobody wants to see the Warriors with Purdue, man. I'm joking. I'm j- <laughs> what I'm Your takeaway from that conversation should just be that Justin and I both feel that they need another person, and we hope they go after it, you know, somehow, some way. Um, yeah. But there's, a, there's plenty of guys that would be great. People just decided to take a very weird stance specifically against Pirtle. So I had to like <laughs> kind of set the record straight on that. But there's other guys that I would love to have, even if we don't get Pirtle. I'm just saying that. <laughs> All right. This longer extended edition of Golden Spaces, but you know what? When the vibes are good, you get more content. So I thought this is a great, healthy discussion. And we appreciate you guys tuning in with us for this long. Um, we will be back. We will be back. Um, but for now, this is it. So thanks for tuning in. You know what to do. Subscribe, follow, share, rate, review, all of that stuff. Um, and on Twitter and Instagram, you can find us at Golden Spaces Pod. Until next time, guys, take care.